Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisela. Hi, it's Aisla with Business is Unusual, and today I'm here with Dr. Bree Gentili of Dr. G's Lab. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I am so excited to have you here. We already made our, each other laugh, which is we did. great. <laughs> we did. So what's the last artist that you got lost in? Visual, uh, musical, other... So I've been pretty into, it's not quite an artist, but it's a Spotify list by Re-Ink. So R-E and then dash I-N-C. And it's this group of soccer players from the women's national team. And they created this awesome brand that does like slow, sustainable fashion. So we can talk about slow and fast fashion, which I just now got into. But they always release these playlists. And they release like these Spotify playlists that are like 30 second clips of all of these like songs. And then you go off and you find them in whatever platform you want. So I've been super into their playlist because it's been like really funky electronic. It's been like some like really queer type hip hop. It's been cool stuff. I've been digging it a lot. Tell me about slow, fast, sustainable fashion. Okay, so... Slow fashion is this idea that it takes longer to actually produce it because the everything is kind of sustainable about it, not just the products that are, you're using, but the process and even like the creative process, right? Like it's not like you're coming up with the stuff super fast that everybody's going to use. It's like the person thought about it, created it, like finessed it and had time with it. So it's called slow fashion, not fast mm-hmm. fashion. So just learned about it. It seems, obviously, I think we're all seeing that many of our systems have questionable outcomes. And so it's interesting to me all the different ways that industries are taking that in and seeking to find other ways of engaging with, because we all need to wear clothes. That's right. It's just neat to see the different industries that are taking that on and expressing that. Hopefully that means that we're moving in a new direction. That's my That's inner right. optimist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on that board too. Same thing. Oh, good. So tell us about your lab. Yeah. So the lab started out as something that I thought I was just going to provide services out of. And then it actually ended up turning into a youth incubator, which I'm all for. So. so An incubator, for those of you who don't know, is exactly what it sounds like. You have an idea, you take it to this place, and they incubate it, where they give you, like, thought leadership and partnership, and then they napkin it out, and they literally draw it out, and then they're like, okay, let's breathe life into this until it's like a hatched egg, right? And so I have started working with youth, which have been my dream this is why I started the whole thing was just to give youth an opportunity to be more involved in tech and then it ended up being really centralized around marginalized youth which I was all for and I didn't want to put it around race they didn't want to necessarily say black and brown youth because I knew that there are other youth that were marginalized so I knew that there's just 
this incredible need for youth to see how tech is involved, to see what it actually takes to do it, because they're going to be the ones that are doing it very soon. And by the time we get there, they're going to be faced with a whole bunch of ethical issues that we have created for them. You're welcome. That is going to be similar to climate change, where they're going to be climbing their way out of this like ethical like hole with AI and chat GPT and all of this other stuff that we've created for them. So I figure we need a space for them. So that's the lab. The lab is a space for teens to come incubate your ideas. Whether you're like attached to a nonprofit or you're just like a teen on your own, you can come to the lab. So you don't need to have funding back behind you, which I think is also a very unique model. So Mm-hmm. That's the lab. Nice. Yeah. Um, what inspired you to do this? Yeah. So I was first going to be actually a psychologist. <laughs> like a moment of truth. I was like, let me first tell you I was a recovering psychologist. I was doing work with psycho-oncology, so I was a therapist for cancer patients and their family members or caretakers. And through all of that work, I kept hearing, I want to have a second opinion, but I'm really scared if I go back to my original doctor that I'm not going to get the care, the good care. And I was like, that's not right. You shouldn't be holding that. So I started to think about an app that they could use to break up with their doctor or match with their doctor on other things besides insurance and specialty. And that they could just like very easily like swipe up on their doctor if they wanted to or swipe left. So I was like, that would be really cool. And then I entered it into like an accelerator or something and I didn't get it, but it was still so exciting that I was like, yeah, this needs to happen. So that was like the seed of it all. And then I just kept having these experiences throughout life that were like bringing me more into tech and more into UX research. And, and then I lost my grandfather to COVID who was like my dad. And I, that was the first time that I interacted with tech and I was like, this is not working. Like I'm seeing COVID everywhere. I just want to avoid it. How is there not a way that I can like, not avoid seeing it. So I just started to get really frustrated with my experiences and decided that I'm just going to try to take it into my own hands, not by changing Apple or Google, because obviously that's not going to happen, but mm-hmm. by changing the seeds, like changing the soils. So I'm like, let me just find some unplanted or unplotted piece of soil and create my own thing. And that's what I did. And the more I started to create my own space is the more I found that there are people out there doing trauma-informed work. There's trauma-informed social workers. There's trauma-informed designers. And I was like, great, I'm not alone. And in contrary to, I think, what as a child of the 90s, I was told, you got to make your business on your own or do it on your own. I did the opposite. And I was like, you're doing this and you're doing this and you're doing this. And it was just like a bee. I was just pollinating everywhere. And so that's the inspiration was really being frustrated with my own experiences, but then not being alone, like seeing that other people were doing this and I don't have to recreate the wheel. So that was the inspiration and then the continued motivation as well. Now, I absolutely appreciate that feeling of other people in it in some way, even if we're not working together, it gives me that sense of hope and motivation to know that there's like a, we don't always get mainstream or often, no, maybe never, mainstream acknowledgement. However, there's actually a ton of folks that are really interested in creating something functional for yeah. the majority of people as opposed to this more other thing. That <laughs> So, yeah, I, yeah I, I hear you on that. It's a really, 
I was surprised. Like, I hear what you're saying in that. At first, I thought, I must be, like, weird alone off of my island of weirdness. And then realizing, oh, actually, no, there's a lot of people that really are invested and care about things being more connected, more engaged, more possible. And we just have to find each other. Yes. I love that we find each other. That's really great. Yeah. Me too. That's part of why I do the podcast is it feels a way that I can contribute to people finding each other and to finding people because there's, because my experience has been that the larger platforms are not necessarily as helpful with that. Not that they don't work, but they're maybe not their goal. They have a different goal. So this business as unusual, what do you feel is unusual about what you're doing? Looking research and design, especially UX research and design, there's a fast culture around it. We talked about it with fashion, right? But there's a fast culture and a rush culture around this work. And I think it's gotten better, but it's still really fast. And mm-hmm. I think what's also different is the ratio of what like design and research is changing. I think there's a lot of focus on design and not so much research. And I'm asking to flip that. Why not? Like, why not put a lot more into research that will narrate and insight your design so that you don't have to be doing so much work? And so I think what it is, it's a shift that will eventually save time and be more efficient and be more humanistic. But in the beginning, it takes away from people's worth that they think that that's taking away from their worth, but it's taking away from like their job or their duties or have less stuff in the timeline or less tasks or something but it's like they've somehow attached that to their worth and their worth as a designer and their worth as a person and so the change is really difficult for people to be like yeah let's research that instead of just jumping into a design sprint and so I think that is unusual but how I came to this I think is super unusual which is trusting when you are of a certain gender um, and you come in to a space which is largely of the other gender there's all of these stories that come before you of how it's supposed to be done the process that you're supposed to do the things that are supposed to be behind you things that are supposed to be in place and I didn't look like that I didn't have that in place and I had failed ventures behind me I had no backing behind me and I was piecemealing my stuff, I was quilting it, and I was bootstrapping. And there's this rush culture, again, of this, if you don't have it figured out within a year, or if you don't have it figured out by the time this eight-week course is done, I want your money. And I was like, that can't be right. And so I took a slow approach to my business, which is also like, the business has shaped itself, not me shaping the business, which I don't know if a lot of people do anymore. I think a lot of people get really... For great reasons, not bad intentions, but they get really stuck on this is the goal of the business. This is what the business is supposed to do. And that's great, fantastic. But sometimes the business has a different approach and a different reach, and it ends up getting into the minds and souls of people that you didn't expect. And you gotta let it, you gotta let it go. You gotta like kind of flow with it. And I think that has been very different than I've seen a lot of people do their business. There's no software for that, I'll tell you that much. I feel like that's a tagline. There's no software. Is there software for that? Yeah. No, it's actually, I used to, with this 
group and I was doing a solitary, I promise this relates. I know it sounds like a huge off put left side, but but I was talking to my, I was doing a solitary retreat where you go be by yourself for a long time. And when I was working with my meditation instructor, he was like, all right, we're going to make a schedule for you. I was like, all right, let's figure out like, I'm going to get up at six. I'm going to do this. And then he said to me, you have to have a schedule. So you have something to deviate from because that's where you learn. And I was just like, oh, interesting. I think it's important to have a goal and yet not be too attached to an outcome, if that makes sense, because the goal will motivate you to work towards something. I'll give you some sense of direction, but then you can uncover as you're going forward, all of these other things that maybe you had an instinct of, but not necessarily an awareness or a knowledge, or maybe they'll surprise you. So you just made me think of that when you said that you had to have, you had your thoughts, but then you had to deviate from, and then you learned something. Yeah, super related. It, it was super related. The second you said meditation, I was like, yes, let's go. Here we're going. Because it is about self-awareness. And researchers and designers can often not have self-awareness because we're supposed to be so group think, because we're mm-hmm. supposed to be so about the user and so out of our own mind that we somehow sometimes can be conditioned to not be aware of ourselves, And so what you're talking about is like the keen sense of self-awareness to know that, yep, I need to uncover that. I need to unpack that. And I need to learn a little bit more about that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm all for that. So who typically thrives with your service or is there like a typical group or person that you find shows up a lot? Yeah. So funny. I love this question because in the beginning, you're, you're supposed to answer this question too, right? Who is your audience? And you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's these people because they're going to probably give me the most money and, or it's going to be the easiest sell or whatever it is. And honestly, my, my group now are nonprofits and startups, not startups with like large teams, startups that are like one person having a dream and skilling or using Fiverr or other gig economics to get their dream off of the ground. So those are my people and I love them and I'm here for all of it. But this, the nonprofits, because I think because a lot of times they have grant money, they want to get something done and they're not so sure like how they can get it done, but they know they have this amount of money. And sometimes they'll just go back to their same repeat of counselors or their repeat of different consultants and things like that. But now I'm seeing that nonprofits are really starting to go a little bit deeper in their network and they're doing... FPs and they're really opening it up for especially remote work has really changed that and they're opening it up for worldwide consulting and things like that and I think people too are more apt to share in the RFP process like people are really getting this idea of like niche consulting and they're loving it they're like no this is my niche and I this is my lane I'm a DEI strategist or whatever it is and that's all I do and then they'll they'll go with like a facilitator or a coach and they'll start sharing and doing like capacity building in that way. So I'm feeling like people are really starting to build capacity with other consultants and getting after these RFPs with multiple consultants. And I think that that's super cool. So I think that nonprofits, I love, and then people who are willing to like share the love, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the consultants that are like, yeah, this really isn't my strong suit. I need this piece. I've got a thousand dollars is my budget. And so I'm really finding that the small gigs with price tags that aren't like astronomical that people don't write LinkedIn posts about 
how I got my like or blog posts about those are the ones that I love and I'm in the process of getting women business owner certification so I'm excited to do more government contracts because mm. I'm determined to kind of change the system from the inside so see how that goes I'm for it yeah, we need uh-huh. people everywhere I used to I'm, do a lot of activism and fundraising and the folks get in their silos with these larger social programs and changes that we want to make. Everybody has to be part of it. We need the business people. We need the grass tops as well as the grass roots. We need the people that feel like loners and we need the people that feel super invested in community. We need everybody because that's the right. only way that we're going to actually get to something that actually works for the whole community as opposed to with the single slice that reason is getting seen and it's supported. And I want them to still get their stuff too. I don't want to take it away. I just want to expand it. Right. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so, so if I'm like, I want to talk to Dr. G and have some support, what am I coming to you for? What's a typical problem or solution or task project? Once again, I recognize there's probably a lot out there, but just something maybe that feels very representative. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you my two favorite ones because they've been my favorite projects. One is I want to build an app for multicultural teams. What do you think I should do? I'm like all for that. So it's really a little bit past the napkin where she was like, nope, this is exactly what I want to do. This is the content. I'm pretty sure I got it, but I need to engage youth. Can you help me build a service? Thought partnership around like having a youth advisory council and really getting them involved and in how to do that. And then she's ran with it. And now she's got an app, she's got a teen app, she's got a youth advisory council, and it's amazing. A second favorite one was a nonprofit asking me, hey, we have an app, we wanna make it better. Can you work with some youth in order to make it better? Yes, please, yes, I can. So a lot of times it's, we wanna do this with a particular group. Could you help us out? Or it's, we want to make something for a particular group. Could you help us out? So I think that the trauma-informed part really piques people's interest because they understand that trauma is, can be one of the, like, one of the things that really, it it sounds sad, but it's one of the things that can really connect us all, right? Like Mm -hmm. color aside, economics aside, just all of it aside, like we can all relate to some sort of trauma and so I think that when people see that they see okay she could probably hold this particular group in a special way or she could pull something from this group in a particular way and that's what I hold myself to as as this person that says and says I'm a trauma-informed designer or researcher that I do have to be trauma-informed trauma-informed that means certification that means really understanding what languages I use, like what words I use, how inclusive I am, and then also just being super transparent with all of my shortfalls, right? That is, that is the biggest part of just communicating that I'm going to miss the mark and I'm relying on you all to point that out to me. Right? Like I'll jump into a meeting and I'll say, hey guys. And they're like, but why? Why would you say that? I'm like, I'm so sorry. Something I do all the time. Say it all the time, please. If that's really bothering you, I really want you to tell me. I will come into the meeting and I will say, hey, everybody, I'll make a point to get better at it, right? 
But if I don't know, and it's going to be a shortfall for the rest of my life until somebody calls it out to me because I don't know my shortfalls. I've been very intrigued by what I'm calling emotionally intelligent comedies and rom-coms. I, and it's one of those things where I've, I used to, I've always had a little bit of a, I like when I'm sick, I just watch a lot of rom-coms and I know they're all ridiculous. Right. But the ones where it could just be solved if they would talk to each other and not make stupid assumptions. Like, Oh, I saw you and I decided you were cheating on me. Why? Why? But they're actually stories that are the same thing. They have this promise of like connection and possibility but they're actually talking. The conflict comes from something real. I don't know how to deal with my narcissistic father, but I love him. And so when you're saying this about, I'm going to miss the mark. And I love that invitation. It's one of the things that I see in these shows that I really value because I feel like this idea that we have to know is, is such a shutdown. It's not realistic. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I'm not, giving a pass like obviously there are folks who have been very well explained and clearly did not pick it up and that's a different conversation i was talking about folks that are stepping into something and maybe they don't know and i think starting there and saying hey i invite you to correct me and or we're in this conversation and i'm going to invite myself to correct you and that's okay this doesn't mean anything about you (laughs) it's a communication habit that i think is potentially really helpful if people could calm themselves down myself included from that defensive but I didn't mean it that way no it's yeah. true it's okay yeah. what is the best advice you have received or given or both oh my gosh there's so much advice that's been given solicited and unsolicited yeah <laughs> honestly I think really the best advice that I honestly have gotten was in a body like a mindfulness type of activity and it was massaging the ears and it was like you're going to hear a lot of things you can take it in but you don't have to seep it in so you can take it in but you don't have to seep it in I was like I really like that because it goes like through your whole life you're going to hear a bunch of stuff and sometimes I just have to massage my ears I'm like yep heard that today heard that today don't have to keep it I don't have to keep that so I think that's like the best honestly like overall blanket advice that I've got I think the best advice that I've given is probably to my kids, which is that nothing good happens after midnight. There might be some mm. awesome things that happen after midnight. I've experienced some great things after midnight. But you could have, I could have done them before midnight. I really could have. And I would have saved myself some trouble, saved my mom some anxieties. I don't know if there's a lot of good things that happen after midnight. There might be, but I'm just going to say that you probably could do them before midnight if they're really good. That's my advice. Thank you. It's like the gremlins. No, no eating after midnight. No. That's one thing. See, right there. Yeah. What do you do to keep yourself inspired when it gets hard? Hmm. Yeah, fasting has been my thing lately. Honestly, my therapist kind of put me onto it, and my mom very long time ago. But she, both of them, have been really instrumental in this idea of fasting, which is like for me taking time to not be distracted by food. Like when I'm going to eat, what I'm going to eat, what I did eat. And it's not in a unhealthy way. And I want to recognize that fasting isn't for everybody, obviously. And if you have an unhealthy relationship with food, it's a whole different game. But 
for me, I had a sincere panic attack the first day that I was going to, I planned to fast for 24 hours because I was like, how can I not have food? It was legitimate panic of not, not centering my something around lunch or dinner or preparing for food or something. So there was a lot of panic in that. And fasting has kept me motivated and thinking clearly. And then the other thing is honestly taking breaks. I've given up on this and I'm, I hope to write a blog post about it, but I've given up on this idea of work-life balance because it all involves doing, like life involves doing. So like, even if you're not working and you're doing life, you're doing, and I'm like, how can I balance doing and doing? That's not going to work out. So I call it work-rest ratio because hmm. fixed pie, like you're not going to get any more <laughs> of what I have to offer. And it has to be work and rest because in work, if you think driving your kids to soccer practice is life and that's rest, no, it's work. Like you're driving mm-hmm. your kids to soccer practice, it's work. Resting for me could be playing catch with my kids. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm horizontal, but I'm not planned doing something. Like there's no agenda, there's no time. That can be rest. So I've changed that. That's what keeps me going because this whole work life balance stuff is doing balance. They should call it mm-hmm. what it really is. I really love that. I love that breakdown. And Trevor Noah, when he left the show that he was running, which I, of course, forgot the name of, maybe The Daily Show, but he talked about that too. He's like, it's not work-life balance. It's life balance. (laughs) And it's another way to put it. I talk about sustainability with my clients because it's, for me, most of the people that I work with have a passion like you do. And I'm like, if it matters to you today, it's going to matter to you tomorrow. So part of what you're doing today is making sure you have the energy to show up tomorrow, which includes rest. But I love that work-rest ratio. Uh (laughs) I think that Uh that's a very elegant summation of that. And especially in our culture, like we, the only like acceptable thing to do frequently is working. If you're just saying, oh, I'm going to take a nap or whatever. It's just, it, I think there's a change, but I think there is a lot of pushback to that idea that we maybe need to recharge and refuel ourselves yeah totally I think when our messages to take like days off get shorter that's when I'll know we've made a change when it's like I'm taking these days off period I don't need to know why I don't need to know what you're doing like I'm taking these days off so I can go to Disneyland and yada yada so I think that's when I'll know when we've made a shift when people don't feel like they need to explain why they are resting mm-hmm. even if it's and just rest, rest. Yeah. So much happens when you're not active. I find that I need to have some places to let the, I don't know what it is, the background workers do their job. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like a lot of different solutions. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're talking about like myelin sheathing and all this other stuff that happens and it's your neurons and yeah, we need to rest and let them come in and do their cleanup and mm-hmm. let us yeah, retain the things that are important. What impact do you hope to have or seek to have through your work? I want people to slow down. I want people to really, really just understand that the fast way of doing things is going to make us less efficient and you're going to spend more money. If you want to talk about business bottom lines, that you're going to spend more money you're going to have more burnout. We're not creating a great sustainable path by having a rush culture. So 
also encourage people, and I hope that my work and the way that I talk about products and services, that we do slow down and that we do have a more sustainable way of doing things with more self-awareness, more like motivation to be interpersonal with the way that we're doing things. Being more thoughtful and intentional about why we're doing stuff. That is my hope. I hope, honestly, that people are more thoughtful after coming out of the lab. Just one experience with the lab, just thinking about people differently. You go on the bus, you look at people, you can see their suffering. You have compassionate lens, right? Like after the lab, I really honestly hope that you have more compassion and you can see the world just a slight different way. I feel like that's what I keep seeing is how much curiosity and empathy and compassion all together are a great antidote to a lot of the stuff that we're fighting right now in terms of the cultural hopes that we have for connection. Totally. Yep. So for our listeners that are really excited about what you're up to and they want to follow you, hire you, learn more, what's the best way for them to reach out? Yeah. So I am I'm on LinkedIn. That is probably the best way to find me, which is Dr. G. So you don't have to worry about finding my last name. So Dr. G on LinkedIn. And then my inbox is an open inbox. Free, B-R-E, at drgslab.com. And I am so excited to have more conversations. So looking forward to it. Lovely. And for those of you, if you're listening and you're running or driving or something, um, this will all be in the show notes. So you can click in copy if you didn't have the ability to write it down. and. I hope that you will. And thank you so much for taking the time to be here today with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So excited. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, everybody. And I'll.